Welcome to the Anxiety Slayer series. Our mission is to assist you with creating more peace and tranquility in your life through anxiety release exercises and supportive tools created to slay your anxiety. Welcome to Anxiety Slayer. I'm Shan Vanderleek, here today with Mel Schwartz, psychologist, marriage counselor, author, speaker, and seminar leader in private practice in Westport, Connecticut, and Manhattan for more than two decades. He's the author of three books, including the latest, The Possibility Principle, How Quantum Physics Can Help Improve the Way You Think, Live, and Love. Ananga and I like to come together every week to bring Anxiety Slayer sessions to you, but we also like to bring in powerful speakers and authors and teachers as well to talk about slaying your anxiety. And Mel is the perfect person for us to be talking with today. He wrote this fabulous new book. I enjoyed it so much. You've got lots of questions for him, and you're going to learn so much when you listen in today. Mel, thanks so much for making time to join me for this episode of Anxiety Slayer, and congratulations on your new book. Well, thank you very much. It was uh, my life's mission to write this book. That is so powerful. Let's talk about that mission and and the inspiration behind the possibility principle. I'll I'll share with you and your listeners the inception uh, that, that led to this book. I go back more than 20 years ago. I had just uh, chosen to make a very significant career change. I had been in business. And although I was financially rewarded, I was lacking in meaning and purpose in my life. So I decided midlife to go to graduate school and pursue this new career. That decision ultimately led to my divorce. And we fast forward to um, a year after my divorce. And I'm raising my children more or less on my own. But one particular weekend, they're with their mom. I wake up. It's a beautiful spring morning. And I decide to go out for a bike ride. And in the middle of that bike ride, I began to experience an anxiety attack, which was uncommon, atypical for me. Mm -hmm. I was missing my kids. And I guess I was anxious about what the future would look like. I turned around and rode the bike back home. And absentmindedly, I pulled a book off the bookshelf, which I had never read. It was called The Turning Point by Fritjof Capra, a quantum physicist. And I began to read of this worldview shift, a paradigm shift that was beginning to sweep so much of our thinking. And I read that life in reality was not certain, but thoroughly uncertain. Mm. And somehow that was good news. And that there was no separation at all in the universe. Reality was one inseparable, undivided whole. About 10, 15 minutes into reading, I noticed my anxiety was gone. Moreover, I was intrigued and fascinated. Well, as the years went by and I continued this reading, I began to realize that I had shifted my thinking and my beliefs to coordinate with this new worldview, which was heralded by quantum physics. Now, I'm not a scientist. I don't <laughs> understand formulas. I, At best, we get a C in science in school. But the principles were simple. S- simply put, uncertainty is the rule of reality. And we are taught to avoid uncertainty. 
But what happens when we avoid uncertainty and we seek certainty? I just gave a TEDx talk last week on this. When we seek certainty, and the future is, of course, uncertain, it sets up fear. It sets up anxiety. It's the core of the epidemic of anxiety that we've been trained to seek the future. How did this come to be? Sir Isaac Newton gave us the thesis of determinism. If we have enough information, we can predict the future. Well, that's good in certain limited applications, but as a way of living our lives, it's ruinous. You know, Oscar Wilde said uncertainty is the essence of romance. Hmm. If you think about it, right. a lot of truth to it. Sure, sure. Well, but no sooner do we secure the relationship that we make it certain and predictable, so romance fades. Right, it sure does. You Let's talk a little bit deeper uh, to the subject of certainty provoking anxiety, because that is something that I know our listeners would like to learn more about, is you know, how do we shift that? Well, first we begin with, with the big picture, okay. that we've been playing from the wrong game plan of life. The goal is not to seek certainty. Now, of course, you need to know what time the kids have to be picked up from school or what time you have to be at work or get on the train or the bus. I'm not speaking about that, but it's the fear of the unknown. Here's an example. I was working with a woman who was mired in a miserable marriage. She and her husband had gone in different directions. They had little in common. They had tried marital therapy. It didn't work. They had no children, and they were financially independent. So I asked her, why did she stay married? And she said, well, I don't know what my life would look like. Who would I be as a divorced woman? There it was. Mm -hmm. Who would I be? Fear of the unknown. So she chose to stay in the known, although the known was depressing, as opposed to embrace the unknown which had all full of new possibilities and potential. So think of it this way. Uncertainty equals possibility. So I had her do a visualization. I asked her to close her eyes and imagine herself by the bank of the river and to metaphorically think that the river represented the current of her life. A few moments passed, and I asked her where she saw herself. She said she was in the middle of the river, the current had picked up, but she grabbed a hold of a boulder. And I asked her why. She said, well, the river was bending to the right up ahead. She wouldn't know where it was going. She had to know where it was going. Mm. Well, let's say where it was going, the bend to the right was her future, who she'd be as a divorced woman. And I explained to her that to know where it was going, she had to participate in that future. It wouldn't happen to her without her participating. And she'd be free to navigate as she goes along. Sure. But she has to let go. So the big picture is we have to re-envision that avoiding uncertainty equals being stuck, not facilitating change, and ultimately perhaps feeling depressed because you're feeling lifeless and stuck and disempowered. On a more micro level, we have to look at the way our thoughts operate. Right. If our thoughts are constantly seeking certainty, we are stuck. So in my work and in the seminars and workshops I teach and in my book, I teach the reader and the audience how to actually see their thought and not become their thought. You know, the most important relationship you will ever have in your life 
isn't with your parents, your children. The relationship that will impact you far more than any other is with your thoughts. You have to learn to choose them with care and turn them into your ally. Now, as you listen to this, you may be having a thought which is saying, that sounds hard to do. Well, that's thought operating. Right, thought is, right. Thought is telling you that sounds hard to do. So I'd say, well, how do you know? If we've never tried this, maybe it's not hard to do. Right. So we want to learn to see the thought. Now, when you can see your thought, you're thinking. That's what thinking really is. There's a sense of me that is more than simply the replication of millions of old thoughts. So it's not hard. It requires a willful intention to learn how to do it, but it's easy to learn how to do this. You talk about the three core tenets of quantum physics, and I'd like to know how these core tenets help our listeners shift their minds to live in a more anxiety-free lifestyle. Certainly. The first tenet is the universe is uncertain. This is not bad news. This is good news because uncertain means full of potential, full of possibilities. So the tenet of uncertainty leads to the tenet of potentiality. It appears that all of reality is in a perpetual state of reality making, of pure potential. In the nanosecond before you have your next thought, you're in a state of pure potential. But of course, if we keep having the same old thought, we never access that potential. So principle one, uncertainty, which results in principle two, potentiality. Now, principle three is a large one. Principle three is what I call inseparability. In quantum physics, it may be called entanglement or non-locality. We were taught that things, people, everything is separate from one another. This came from Newton's machine-like universe, in which he proposed that reality is like a giant machine, and we became the separate cogs in that machine. Now, the spiritual traditions have always been telling us that the universe, reality, is one inseparable whole. Now, that sounded like mystical thinking. The great psychiatrist Carl Jung called it unus mundus, one world. Astoundingly, the hard science of quantum physics has proven that reality is one inseparable whole. Now, that may seem counterintuitive or incomprehensible to us because it makes no sense. You see, our eye and our thinking has been trained to see separation rather than to see connection. Think about the mind-body connection. The very term makes no sense. There's no mind-body connection because there's no mind-body separation. <laughs> mind and body are in separate. So why would we be talking about connection? You see, that's mind tricking us. What's in my mind is in my body, and what's in my body is in my mind. Similarly, we live our lives through this paradigm of separation of you and me, good and bad, enemy and ally. We all inhabit one planet. We're all in this together. And this mythology of separation is ruinous in our relationships. When we live through this myth of separation, 
it induces a loss of compassion and loss of empathy. You know the golden rule, do unto another as you would have them do unto you? That's a philosophical suggestion. It's a moral ethic. But inseparability allows us to live that way. Because if I can help and enhance your life, that must help and benefit my life because we are as one. We are in this together. So that third principle of inseparability completes this paradigm of this revolutionary new way of thinking. Now, I believe, and it's my experience as a therapist, and I write about this in the book, that when we live our lives embracing uncertainty, accessing potentiality, new possibility, and opening to inseparability, it allows our thinking to open up, to release fear, to mitigate anxiety, to actually transcend anxiety, and depression. Mm. Depression is a result of feeling disconnected sure. and alone. Sure, and that's so when we, we, we so often feel, especially many of our listeners tell us on a regular basis that some one of the biggest sources of their anxiety is is feeling that they are all alone in their experience and and it's our job to remind them that they are absolutely not alone and this you know the subject of inseparability is so important right now in this world of of uh, all of these screens and devices and being a mom of a teenager you know watching a completely different world evolve where these young ones are so screen detached that uh that they're often they don't even know what it's like to have a converse- <laughs> conversation with a friend if they're not in front of a screen and that it, also it, lends itself to feeling more alone don't you think it's it it runs both ways um the technology allows us more contact but if we become limited to that modality of yes. contact, then there's a problem. Yes. Oh, thank you. That's a great clarification. Sure. Like, let's go back to, you know, the old days where there were telephone calls made. If you made a call to make plans to meet a friend, then the, then the phone was a benefit. Now, if you just stayed on the phone and never went out to meet the friend, the phone would create a limitation. Right. Same thing with this technology. If it facilitates our being able to engage one another in real time, face to face, that's wonderful. But regrettably, it doesn't. And so yeah. often I see people out together in groups or as a couple, and instead of speaking to one another, they're spe- I know, I know, them. I know. I'll tell you, my husband and I have... Uh, together now we just celebrated our 25th wedding anniversary congratulations oh thank you so much and we that was one of the things that we noticed we went to, to costa rica for a couple of months a couple of months i'd love love to tell you a couple of months a couple of <laughs> yes. weeks a couple of weeks and we noticed even there in paradise that uh more often than not when we looked around at the restaurants that we were visiting at the places that we were going to that people were doing the same thing there in this tropical paradise, as they would here in Michigan, they were on their phones. They weren't engaging with each other. Entire families with their heads down, forks in their mouths, faces in their devices. And we just was just, oh, what a crazy observation, but very much part of uh, our society right now and something I think we need to do a better job balancing. 
it requires discipline. It does. And the, and the, the discipline to begin with is if you're in the company of someone else, you don't default to your device. Right. Right. And there should be an understanding with families or individuals that the person I'm with comes first, not the person trying to get in touch with me by sending me a text. Right, right. Recently, Mal, you did a powerful TEDx talk in Boston about transcending anxiety. Can you share some of your message? Because you had to take all of this great content and really smoosh it down into a a beautiful package to to do that event, and I'd love to know what uh, what you shared. Well, what I shared is not dissimilar to what I've been speaking about with you and with your listeners. Um, it's one we're experiencing an epidemic of anxiety. I think the statistics are that over the course of a lifetime in America, one out of three people yeah. will experience anxiety. Now. If one out of three people became mysteriously ill, the Center for Disease Control would be working overtime to find the cause. The problem here is that we have accepted this and we run around trying to treat it and medicate it without first asking why. Mm -hmm. So I ask why. And the conclusion I've come to is if we have become addicted to seeking certainty, and that is unachievable, then it induces fear. So you see, we end up living life as though life were a chess match. Picture yourself playing chess. You're sitting back, deliberating, calculating your move, afraid of making a mistake. Should I or shouldn't I? And that's how people are living lives. Yeah. Now, the fear of making a mistake equals anxiety. The need to know the future in advance, as I shared earlier with the story about the woman contemplating divorce, creates anxiety. So in a way, it isn't our fault. I would have imagined that living under the old Newton's determinism and separation would create an epidemic of anxiety and depression. So regrettably, people in my profession, therapists, are trained to believe that the best they can do is manage it. And that's an awful, it's an awful era. We can do better than manage it. Yes, we can. We can overcome it. We can transcend it. Once you learn to become the master of your thinking and not subject to the thoughts that set up this destructive energy, you can overcome it. I've had tremendous success with countless numbers of people. So one, there's an epidemic and it's not our fault. We've been living by the wrong game plan. Two, if we learn to see uncertainty as our ally and that uncertainty can instill and create wonder and creativity and spontaneity, then anxiety falls by the wayside and you have an entirely different experience of life. And thirdly, you can learn to negotiate and become the master of your thinking whereby the old thoughts that they're telling you you need to know, that they're full of fear and avoidance of making a mistake, can be relegated to the trash bin. And once you do that, anxiety is no longer an issue. And relegating those thoughts to the trash bin, is that, in your opinion, based on just the awareness of those thoughts to begin with, and then being able to say, oh, you know, there you are again. I, I, I recognize that pattern. 
uh, cancel yeah. clear, you know, time to let that go and, yes. and replace. It's like, it, it's like hearing a knock on the door. When you hear a knock on the door, you know there's someone at the door and you have a choice to open the door or not. Mm-hmm. But when I work with people and I teach this in online workshops as well, when you can see the thought knocking at the door, you're in charge. You can say to yourself, oh, there it is. That's that old anxiety producing thought. Mm, not going there. Right. And it's, it creates a new muscle memory. When you've done it a number of times, it stops knocking at the door. Mm, fantastic. So, Mel, before we wrap today, I'd like to, to do a couple of things. Um, first of all, tell us where our listeners can buy your book. Well, the book is for sale in bookstores on Amazon and on all of the online sites. Okay. If, uh, if a listener would like to buy a personally autographed copy, just go to my website, melschwartz.com, and you can go to the book page, and I'll be happy to sign the book for you and have it shipped to you. Oh, that's great. That's so generous of you. And then how else are you helping people who are suffering with anxiety find relief? Well, I, as I just referenced, I am rolling out a series of live interactive online workshops where I'll be facilitating it. And on the screen, I'll be taking questions and answers. I've done a lot of work locally in the New York City area face to face. But to avail myself of people all over the world, I've begun to roll out online workshops whereby over the course of five, six weeks, for an hour and a half in the evening or an hour and a half a day, we can work together and I can teach you all of these methods for overcoming anxiety. Oh, that's fantastic. Well, I really appreciate you choosing to be a part of the Anxiety Slayer show today and sharing so much great information with our listeners. The Possibility Principle is a fantastic book. I wish you lots and lots of luck and and uh want to just thank you for bringing this work forward. You're going to help so many people. I know you already have, but you'll continue that legacy. Well, thank you. And it was delightful and great being on your show. Mel Schwartz, psychotherapist, marriage counselor, author, speaker, and seminar leader. If you'd like additional information about Mel's practice, concierge therapy offerings, and live interactive workshops, All you have to do is visit melschwartz.com. Thanks for listening. Get everything you need to start slaying your anxiety today. Visit anxietyslayer.teachable.com to claim our free Anxiety Slayer starter course. You get four guided sessions, including an EFT tapping session, guided breathing practice, and special module on overcoming the fear of anxiety. Don't just listen to the Anxiety Slayer podcast. Become an Anxiety Slayer. Claim your free Anxiety Slayer starter course at anxietyslayer.teachable.com.